0: Hi everyone, this is One New Man Ministries. I'm Lee here with Jerry and Bob, and we're studying uh, the Old Testament and New Testament together from the point of view of God's plan for redeeming uh, one people for Himself in one body through the cross, creating a holy temple in the Lord in whom we are also being built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. And we're going to talk about the, the redeeming process of the cross and the, the faith that it requires to believe in Yeshua, salvation, Hameshiach our Savior, as the salvation plan, God's salvation plan for all people. And so uh, we're gonna. We're, what are we studying today, Jerry?
1: Our <coughs> Torah portion is found in uh, Numbers chapter 16, and it runs through to the end of chapter 18. Our uh, Torah portion, the portion from the uh, prophets, is found in uh, First Samuel chapter 11, and then our New Testament portion is Romans 13, the first seven verses. The uh, thread that ties all those together is the question of uh, authority. And as we're going to see in uh, the Numbers passage, there were two attacks on uh, authority, one on Moses' political leadership and the other on Aaron's religious leadership. The uh, prophetic portion uh, from Samuel has to do with uh, the the king that uh, was first elevated in Israel, Saul, and how uh, in one way uh, it was um, it looked on the surface like what God wanted but in fact it was exactly the opposite of what God intended and what God desired for Israel and who had the authority to uh, be king and then the uh, New Testament passage is all about uh, how God ordains governments and the authority that's been given to them. But before we jump into all that, there's just so many other issues, we may not even get to that bigger question uh, because there's just so much good stuff going on uh, back here in Numbers. So Bob has has had a lot of thoughts about uh, this rebellion and we'll give him a chance <coughs> in a second. So let's just set the, set the stage here. Uh, in the beginning of Numbers 16. We have uh, just come out of the situation where the people rebelled against the idea of going into the promised land, and God was ready to wipe the people out. And Moses interceded for them, and he said, "Okay, I won't do that, but I'm going to uh, allow everybody, every every man 20 years old and upwards, everyone who was numbered is going to die in the wilderness. They will not enter my rest." we talked about that last week from the Hebrews passage today if you will hear his voice don't rebel as they did in the days of of uh, as they did in the in, in the rebellion in the wilderness so then of course the people say oh we made a big mistake let's go up and fight and then God says don't do or Moses says don't do that God's not with you but they go and they get defeated and then <coughs> they are um, given some some rules about sacrifices they are <clears throat> Uh, taught about uh, what what to do when we are in a situation and we unintentionally break some of God's laws. Then there is a specific legal case brought. A, a man is witnessed by several people picking up sticks on the Sabbath, and that man is put to death by stoning. And then finally, uh, God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put tassels on your garments. And we've talked about that at uh, some length, the other the other week uh, so that this would serve as a reminder to you not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes which you are inclined to whore after so you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God I am the Lord your God so that's the setup to what we have happening now in chapter 17 Uh, we have seen the consequences of rebellion. Uh, One way that uh, Korah and others began to look at it though apparently is that Moses sold us a bill of goods. We see in uh, verse 12, Moses sent a call to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and they said, We will not come up. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey? In other words, you took us out of Egypt where we were slaves, but we're saying it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Mm -hmm. You brought us up out of that good place to kill us in the wilderness, that you must also make yourself a prince over us? Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. So you can see this this attitude that has been brewing in, in people's minds. Uh, and now it's been really twisted around to, to, to make such a, a beautiful picture out of what slavery was, that it, it could have been a land flowing with milk and honey. We already know that in some people's minds, earlier it was a land that was full of really great food, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so there's there there's, there's this this, this uh, attitude that's that's been developing. So, Korah is a basically a cousin of Moses and Aaron. He is one of the uh, Kohathites. He is a priest, but he's not the high priest. And he is joined in this <coughs> rebellion. By a couple of sons of Reuben, this Dathan and Abiram, and also a son named On, the son of Pelop. It says they rose up before Moses with a number of the people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation. So well, well, well-known men. The Hebrew actually says men with a name. So these are guys, you know, they're they're the Kalfus uh, and Nachman people. They're <laughs> they're Lola Hammer Stanley and all, all the people's faces that you're used to seeing on TV these are those guys right they rise up and they assemble themselves against Moses and against Aaron and they say to them you have gone too far for all in the congregation are holy every one of them and the Lord is among them why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord so let's just understand what their charge is Uh, Moses has basically delivered to them the commandments of of Yahweh. He has followed through in appointing Aaron, the high priest, according to Yahweh's directions. They have executed someone for breaking Yahweh's commandments at Yahweh's words to do it. So this is what they are rebelling against, right? Right? you have gone too far in the way that you have acted in presuming that you should be our leader so bob i'm gonna let you talk here because you had quite a few thoughts on on this whole little speech of theirs uh... you've gone too far everyone's holy every one of them the lords among them why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the lord
2: well this has been planning for some time it looks like two hundred fifty people to to bring together to come against moses and the And then Korah is telling Moses that everybody is holy when they have recently sinned against the Lord terribly, (laughs) and so and so he he way Korah is trying to position himself and the and against Moses is that saying Korah, I'm Korah, I'm with the assembly, the Lord is with the assembly, and Moses, you're on the outside. Why don't you join us? You know so they are they're accusing moses of exalting themselves when them when Korah and those leaders want to exalt themselves so they're accusing moses of the same guilt that they are, that they're carrying so i think that's pretty interesting to see how mm-hmm. it's all playing out mm-hmm. just like today's times
1: well yeah and just on a personal level i think that most of us are really guilty of being quite judgmental about people doing things that we ourselves do mhm right that there's there's that uh, ability to see in others what we fail to see in ourselves.
2: Right, and they didn't they didn't respect God's authority. That that they placed Moses over top of them. Mm-hmm. And take remember Moses didn't want this. He, he told God says hey choose somebody else. So Moses is humble. He's serving the Lord, and this is some of the enemies of of God. But later on, these are the same people. It says in. Um, Sixteen thirty. That these are the same core in his group, the same ones that that despise God. That don't. They hate God. Yeah. So they're they're loving themselves and they're trying to exalt themselves over the group.
1: Yeah. Do you want to really dig into that for a second about despising the Lord? So, what happens? uh, You you may know the story uh, that God separates those families, and Moses tells everybody, step back. And Moses says, if these fellows die a natural death, if they go the way of all flesh, then uh, I'm not the prophet. I say, you know, God says I am. But if if the Lord, if, if the Lord does a new, th- if there's a new creation, right? It says Create uh, something, something
2: s- new. Something unprecedented.
1: Right. Then, uh, and if the earth swallows them up, then you'll know that the Lord has spoken. And the Lord certainly does uh follow through and the earth swallows them up it opens up and Korah and his his family uh, Dathan and Abiram and their families they are all swallowed up as well as fire then goes out in the camp it says to consume the 250 men of renown men with a name and it says (coughs) uh, the Bob the verse you were referring to is uh, verse 30 if the Lord creates something new and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into Sheol then you shall know that these men have despised Yahweh have despised the Lord
2: and a synonym for that is hate mm-hmm. so.
1: yeah the phrase that gets me in, in that in that passage <clears throat> about uh, you've gone too far is the one that uh, why do you exalt yourselves and they refuse to acknowledge God's right to promote his leaders into positions of leadership. Correct. Right. They say, you put yourself into that place. When in fact, the narrative of everything we've read and all that has been presented to us is that the Lord called Moses. Moses wasn't looking to be a big leader, but God put him in charge. Right? Right we don't have any record that Aaron felt one way or the other but it was definitely the Lord through Moses telling Aaron this is going to be your role that this is a given and you know Hebrews um, reinforces that idea when we read the, the the letter to the Hebrews it talks about no one assumes this role but it's given to them by the Lord so that's exactly what Korah and his band are refusing to accept and that is God's right to place his leadership over his people. So you know that gets that gets to not just a situation like this, but you know kids and parents, mm-hmm. pastors and churches.
0: Right. right? We <clears throat> when we were uh, talking about <clears throat> that part, <clears throat> we were talking about how one way to look at it is Cora not acknowledging the the appropriate place of God but the other way is that he was motivated by covetousness mm-hmm. he's coveting what Moses and Aaron has and, and you know back in uh, Numbers 16 8 <clears throat> or 9 it says and Moses said unto Korah is it but a small thing uh, Hear here now, ye sons of Levi, is it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them and that he hath brought thee near and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee. And will ye seek the priesthood also? So he's already been set apart and given a special position of ministering but it's not enough for him he's coveting their position Mm -hmm. Aaron the priesthood and maybe Moses you know the or maybe it was the other ones who wanted the political position but uh he's he's worshiping himself you can be like God it's not just that he's not having, acknowledging God's right to say who the priest is. He's substituting himself and saying, ah. Mm-hmm. And, and here he's, you know, so arrogant about it. He When Moses says, okay, we'll see. He's like, all right, come on, 250, get your censors. <laughs> he's already seen what happened to Aaron's two sons when they offered the the false sins right, right
1: right right he's challenging god for sure i like your idea that it's it, it involves his covetousness you know uh he's coveting his cousin's position mm-hmm. right yeah that's really really good <clears throat> um yeah that so so Moses answers to their to their charge is everybody bring fire and will God 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 will demonstrate through this uh, trial by fire so to speak uh, just who is his who he has uh, appointed and who he hasn't and Lee already read this this is just you know I, I like that when he gets to the end of, of that part of it he, he, he returns the favor so to speak he says you're the ones who have gone too far <laughs> not us you went too far Uh, and then what you just said Lee uh, he reminds them that they have already been given positions by God and basically what they're saying is we're not satisfied with what God has given us and this goes right back to the Garden of Eden right? right God says I've given you everything but I don't want you to touch that tree well is God really a good God? would he withhold anything from you? Uh, are you satisfied with what God has given you, or wouldn't you just like to have a little bit of that tree? <laughs> and this is this is this is our downfall all the time: is we fail to be satisfied with what the Lord gives to us. I love you know since our conversation uh, Saturday uh, for those who are listening uh, we usually have a chance to get together before our radio broadcast to kind of kick some things around and talk through these, these portions. And uh, on Saturday, we, we spent some time thinking about this. And <clears throat> since then, the verse that I, 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 I have had kicking around in my mind is that one in Philippians, where Paul says, I have learned to be content in whatever state I am, right? Hmm. because here's what here's what happens Moses reminds them of all that they've been given he, you know he 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 separated you uh, he brought you near to the tabernacle to do its service to minister to the Lord he's all of these wonderful things but you want something that I didn't give you God you gave me all of this but what about that
2: isn't that true that's human nature isn't it Jerry
1: yeah yeah as I said it goes all the way back to the garden yes she says and, and Moses brings it to, you know right to where it, it, it always is this is like David after Bathsheba and he says in in Psalm 51 against you only have I sinned and we step back from this and say, well there was a pretty big sin against Uriah there was a pretty big sin against Bathsheba but David sees it as it truly is all sin is against the Lord now it has that consequence out in our world he, Moses says therefore it's against the Lord that you and all your company have gathered together no we were coming against you and Aaron no you're coming against the Lord <laughs> what is Aaron that you grumble against him as if it's Aaron's fault that Aaron's the priest right Wow, it's just so so pointed here and this gets to what we talked about a little bit then on Saturday, too, is what, what's what's at the heart of grumbling? Why do we grumble? Grumble, complain, whatever word you want to throw in there, that <laughs> kind of...
0: And, and the contagion of grumbling Bingo. And Mm-hmm. Complaining and murmuring. I mean, we saw that, you know, right. when they were Everyone
1: outside their tents.
0: Yeah, when they were murmuring about, hey, "We're sick of this man. Where's the flesh?" You know, and 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 we saw the contagion of the ten spies who came back and said, "Oh, they're too big," and you know, and 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 the two spies who trusted in the promises of the Lord. They were like, no, if God is with us, we will overcome, we'll win, Mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, the, the, the murmuring is like, goes to people's selfishness and covetousness and the grumbling and what they want, their desires. You know, you talked about disordered desires. Their desire isn't just for God and to trust in the God they're, you know... They want what they want.
2: But you know, you just made a difference. Look at look how they looked at the Promised Land differently. How Caleb and Joshua looked at it, and how the other ten looked at it. It comes down to discernment, does it not? Trusting God and discerning. I mean, you know, Joshua and Caleb saw the beautiful land, and the other ten saw the giants. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So,
0: so a lot of times the grumbling and the murmuring as a consequence of the way you're looking at things yeah that's good
1: yeah i want to say that uh grumbling we is is a function of uh, faithlessness right yes why why are they grumbling they've been given so much but they're not grateful for it why are they grumbling? Because they can't see what God is doing for them in the tabernacle. They can't see what God had prepared for them in the promised land. Uh, all they could see was the giants. I think that the ten who brought the bad report did see that it was good land. They said it is a good land. Right. But they, they were the, the yes-but people, right? Uh, they did not have the faith to grasp the promise. So,
0: so I think that's the key, right? That because we throw this word faith around, like the, the word love around, and people go, oh, "What's that really mean?" It's faith, what you believe, but I think that what you said is faith to grasp the promise, and if in our faith needs to be that God's promises can't be broken A cov- God's covenant can't be broken mm-hmm. God's word cannot be violated right. and that he will keep his promises so if he promises that he's going to deliver the promised land Caleb and Joshua he, he'll he deliver it and, and, and if he ordains that Aaron is the high priest because this is the appropriate order that
1: is the way it has to be right that's Mm -hmm. that is the way it has to be
2: but just just think about what Caleb and Joshua saw they saw the ten plagues of Egypt come to pass. they saw the division of the Red Sea come to pass. they saw and the daily the daily miracles of manna they're witnessing and they could they couldn't come to the realization that God was with them I guess
0: yeah, so it's harder sometimes for us, you know, who aren't seeing these supernatural miracles every day to when, when we're down on our luck to not to, you know, resort to our own works, you know. What makes you so great, Moses and Aaron? How about me, you know, or not, you know, not to resort to making an idol of ourselves and putting our, in other words... Not to deny ourselves, Mm. but to promote ourselves, you know?
1: Well, I think that part of the problem people might get into today is really what has God promised us? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: What has God promised us in this life that we can say, this is a sure thing? God does not promise us ease. In fact, he says, Jesus says, in the world you're going to have tribulation. So if we are enjoying a life of ease, (laughs) we ought to be extraordinarily grateful because the promise that Jesus made was there would be trouble. Uh, What has God promised? Uh, Jesus said that uh, men will hate you for my sake. Blessed are you if you are persecuted. So we need to be careful uh, to to make sure that when we we we're judging about God's presence and my faithfulness in my life, that we are really fixed on what God has actually promised us. He's told us we can have His peace; that's a promise. But he's said that there's conditions. For instance, He says in in Philippians chapter four is is one of my favorite favorite uh, chapters for this reason. He says. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Then he says, in everything by prayer, give thanks, making supplication to God. And then the peace of God will guide your hearts and souls through Christ Jesus. Then he goes on to say, whatever things are true, noble, and virtuous, think about those things, and the God of peace will be with you. So when God promises his presence and his peace, we need to understand that God also gives us the avenue and the way to, to live in that place. And that's the passage then that also Paul winds up saying at the end of that passage, I have learned to be content in whatever state I am. So that <clears throat> I think when we have that settled faith, then we really are living in the true promises that God made. Because God's promises to us in this world are not about material well being. I forget who said it a long, long time ago, but it stuck in my brain. God did not promise you a simple, easy, middle class life. Right. right? So I was thinking, you know. F- w- circling around faith and what's the difference between faith and believing and you know all all those different pieces and i i think i would try and put it this way if i needed a serious surgery i could go online and look at this doctor and this doctor and this doctor and see he graduated from here she graduated from there and all the things that they've done since graduation and where they interned and yada 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 right and i could think about every one of them I believe they could do this surgery, right? But until I actually pick one and say, I need you to do this, I'm willing to put my trust in you. But that's what I think we're talking about with with genuine biblical faith, that we have committed to one that we trust to do the surgery that's necessary to bring us the healing. Does that make sense?
2: Amen. That's good. Settled faith that you just mentioned, right?
1: Yeah, we we have to move beyond just that Google recommendations (laughs) (laughs) point and and pick one. And pick one. And pick one and say, yes, I trust you to handle this for me. And that's what we're really saying about God. Yeah, I, I can know all the theology and all the propositions, but until I really say, Lord, I trust you as Lord. I trust you as my God. I trust you as my Savior. I trust that your blood paid for my sins we're just dancing on the edges right right yeah yeah <clears throat> all right so so this grumbling this this attitude of ingratitude uh the inability unwillingness to to accept what god gives the desire to promote myself into a position that god didn't give me all that stuff is at work right and then we have the uh <coughs> The challenge in the first part is against Aaron and his priesthood. The challenge in the next part is against Moses and his political authority. Uh, That's coming from these sons of Reuben. And uh, Korah and Moses were kind of camped in the same general location in the camp on the east side of the tabernacle. Reuben is over in the next camp to the south and when Moses says hey you guys come on up here and we'll powwow and get this thing straightened out they says no we're not coming so direct challenge to his authority at that point and they're the ones then who said is it was it a small thing for us for you to take us out of the land of milk and honey and you didn't deliver on your promise to bring us into the land of milk and honey and we're all gonna die out here so Moses says everybody bring your censors tomorrow and the Lord will 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 demonstrate who is who is his and who is not
0: one before you get to that in uh, uh, 1615 and Moses was very wroth and said unto the Lord respect not thou their offering I have not taken one ass from them neither have I hurt one of them and you know it's interesting because in the half Torah Samuel says the same thing and and I think they're, that's important when the and Torah deliver the same message and it's important about what it means to be a servant leader a real leader a leader mm-hmm. who will sacrifice himself for his people you know and deny himself mm-hmm. right and take up his cross right. you know and, and, and so I think you know yeah, they're both Moses and Samuel are found to be those sorts of leaders, right. and for sure, Yeshua is that sort of leader for us. He Amen. he he put it all on the cross for us. Took it all on the cross.
1: Yeah, for us. that phrase I haven't taken one donkey from them is a is a phrase about exercising your power and authority for your personal gain. Yeah, yeah, and Peter, which they're accusing him, of. right? Yeah, right.
2: Yeah. And, and you remember, Abram said the same thing to the to the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, "I won't take a, a, a thing from you." So mm-hmm. maybe, so that's it's. Uh, it's a, what you just said just settles in my mind, Jerry. Is the settled faith that 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 once it gets into your heart and you know that you know that it's true, mm-hmm. and the Lord's there, it it makes things easier and, and content comes upon us. You know <laughs> what I mean?
1: Yes, yes, yes. So. <clears throat> um, the uh, the trial by fire is is getting started and it says in verse 18 every man took a censor and put fire in them and when this happened everybody assembled all the congregation and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation so this gets everybody's attention clearly and now the Lord is going to directly intervene uh, here's here's how he is going to settle this trial by fire he says uh, everybody away from these <coughs> uh, these men and he says to Moses and Aaron get away from from the, this congregation that I may consume them in a moment so here's this test again that God gives to Moses you know I'll, I'll consume them that I may consume them in a moment and Moses and Aaron, uh, have, have have kind of been through this before God says you know I'll, I'll wipe them out and start a whole new thing with just you and Moses says no these are your people it would be a terrible thing if you were to destroy your own people and the word got out what if all the nations would say God brought them out but then he didn't have the strength to bring them in and so Moses and Aaron have interceded for the people before and it's not like we ought to we ought to look at this instance now as oh it's just sort of a habit no this is their heartfelt Response: No, Lord, these are your people. You can't do this. And it says, They fell on their faces and said, O oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and will you be angry with all the congregation? And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Okay, say to the congregation, <laughs> get away from the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. So I know, Lee, you've got some some thoughts about this and maybe another passage about this intercession uh
0: well, I mean, the I was thinking about, you know, because Bob was talking about Abraham clearly, you know, back when Abraham was bargaining, well what if there's you know, <laughs> ten people, mm-hmm. you know
1: for Sodom and Gomorrah. Right,
0: for Sodom and Gomorrah. So, you know, um yeah, the the the, the intercession is indicates what sort of leader that god wants to lead his people this is this is like you said it's it it's their heart right they have a heart for their people they're not going okay God you you prove to everyone in the congregation that I'm right and Korah's wrong I'll stand back while you wipe them all out in a second that, that's not what they're saying <laughs> but that's what you know unfortunately some of our leaders these days you know that's mm-hmm. their attitude you know this is you know they're pleading for mercy and grace and isn't that like Yeshua
1: amen Amen. So uh, there's also the sense of um, the, the the righteous judge doing righteously. You know, shall shall the congregation pay for the sin of one? And you know that that is is uh, a, a reasonable expectation, too, that Moses is pleading with God f- on, on that basis. It's kind of the same basis that Abraham did. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what if there's 50 righteous people and, you know, he bargains God down all the way to 10? Uh, it turns out that they only found Lot and even he was a little squishy, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so so then the... the, uh,
0: the uh, but, but I think, you know... It is important as, you know, because God has the characteristics of righteousness and truth and and the need to preserve that holiness. We've seen that throughout, you know, the scripture we've been studying. Mm-hmm. And he also has the mercy and the grace, the compassion. And so... You know, when those two things come into conflict, you know, it it is instructive to see the resolution because Mm -hmm. he seems to always defer to mercy and grace. His love seems always to win to me. I was sharing with my wife about the rainbow. You know at the end of the flood when you know and he said oh you know i'm never gonna do that again <laughs> i'm gonna make a rainbow right, as a covenant mm-hmm. and then he says you know okay i i get it man's just evil from his youth it's like because he gave us free will we're gonna mess up and try to make ourselves mm-hmm. like god
1: sin mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and but he never lets sin go unpunished right never never and the reality is that through the system he put in place in the tabernacle then carried through to the temple is a system the life of the flesh is in the blood and the blood on the altar makes atonement for your sins here is the ritual that I will provide for you sinful people that we may dwell together right Right. that a holy God and a sinful people can have a relationship is through the blood. And then of course, Yeshua comes and he says, "I am the final sacrifice. I am behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so, yes, mercy and love always win, but never at the expense of justice, right. never at justice's expense
0: and and you know, because isn't justice an expression of his mercy and and love? Yes. I mean, if he didn't, you, you know, the opposite of love is not hate. You know, the opposite of love is apathy. Yep. If he didn't care about us, he wouldn't correct us and judge us. And, you know.
1: Well, yeah. And there's Hebrews again. If, if you're not getting discipline, you're not a son. Amen. You're not a son. Yeah. Um, there's just so many th- pieces that, that come through here because what happens is the ground does swallow them up as, as, as Moses said was, was going to happen but then it says that fire came out and consumed the 250 and, and this gets to what we've just been talking about that, that God remains a consuming fire and the sin in us is going to be consumed by fire one way or another Uh, either Jesus assumes the fire for us and takes the 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 punishment and the wrath that that fire represents or we face the fire ourselves right Mm -hmm. and so so there's there's just this this tremendous picture for us that I think um, again Hebrews picks up when when it talks about uh, the the uh, the fact of who we are in Christ uh, and why we need to pursue holiness and godliness without which no man can see God because our God is a consuming fire if we are not properly related to God through faith in Jesus we're going to be consumed yeah. and that that that's that's the reality no man comes to the, you know I'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father but through me
0: and He forgives. And has mercy and grace, and has mercy, new morning mercies and new grace, until he doesn't. And you know, this is when they, when they, that in 30 it says, then ye shall understand that these men have despised the Lord. If someone hardens their heart so much to the deceitfulness of sin that they despise the Lord, He's a consuming fire.
1: And, you know, I think that that's a really interesting thing to think about for a second. Maybe somebody would step back and look at what did Koran and those guys really do that despised the Lord? It wasn't that serious. They just were kind of looking out for themselves. They were just, you know, seeing if they could be in charge and do it. They thought they could do a better job. That's all.
0: Well, they, right they, but uh, I mean,
1: that's what I'm saying somebody could step back and look at that and say, well is that really despising the Lord? And we're supposed to say, yes <laughs> mm-hmm. that, things like that, <clears throat> those sorts of attitudes is despising the Lord.
2: Well just think about what the just to do a fast forward real quick. think about how the Pharisees despised Jesus. you know I mean he, he was God and, and, and the representation of exact representation of who God was. And they still couldn't see them because they were, weren't promoting themselves, just like very similar to Korah here.
0: I, I noticed that parallel too when reading this. And I think, you know, that uh, when, when you think about what they've observed, okay, they're Levites, so Pharisees and Sadducees. So they're set apart. They're given a ministry. <clears throat> they're given responsibilities. Of the ministry for the congregation, right? So, and these people, Korah and these two fifty, they knew all about Aaron's sons being burned and consumed by fire. Mm-hmm. They were. This was a direct challenge to God. This was like, I mean, this was a blaspheme of the Holy Spirit. And and you know, when they say there's only one unforgivable sin. And, and, and I think that what that means is to despise the Lord, you know. And, and, and I mean, that's what the word says. They despise <laughs> they the just, Lord.
1: That's, that's exactly what it says. Yeah. So, uh.
2: but, but also the people that despise God, they despise God's people, they despise His word, they despise truth. And that's what that's what all core in this group was doing, doing mm-hmm. all of, all of those. And that's why the rebellion was here. But can you imagine if God didn't do anything and this rebellion had took hold, how how disorganized and dysfunctional all this whole all would have been?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, God, God is, you know, Israel's the only nation that God's governing at this time. And that's why he had to keep it keep it, you know, keep it in order. Mm-hmm. So It, and, you know, it's
0: funny that you, you bring that up because uh, one of my favorite un, underreported uh, facts of the Bible is that after uh, the Peter and, the, and uh, John are arrested and they're brought before the, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and Gamaliel who is a teacher of the law. This is in Acts 5, who 33, who's respected by all, all of them. He says, Fellow Israelites, consider carefully what you produ- propose to do to these men. For some time ago, Thetis rose up claiming to be somebody, a number of men, 400 joined him, but he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and disappeared. And after him, Judas the Galilean rose up, time of the census and got people to follow him, Korah. He also perished and all and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case I tell you keep away from these men Peter and John and let them alone because if this plan or, or this undertaking is of human origin it will fail but if it is of God you will not be able to overthrow them. In that case you may be even in that case, you may even be found fighting against God. Wow.
2: I didn't know he referred to Korah in that. I read that several times. No, he, times. Did, he doesn't. Oh, oh. I said that. He, did, okay. he said that. But I, I, let, I
1: did that. Let, I let me just say another place in the New Testament where they do bring up Korah, and that's in the book of Jude, which you'll recall. Jude says, I, I started out to write to you about our common faith, but I decided instead we need to talk about all the false teachers who are popping up and how to uh, be able to withstand them. And here's what he says about these people now, these false teachers who have come in among them. These people blaspheme all they do not understand. They are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. So, you know, there we are just responding out of the flesh, human nature. I want to be on top and really aggravates me no end that, that you're there and I'm not, right? Coveting your position. They understand things instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error, and perished in Korah's rebellion.
2: Wow. All flesh. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So you you you've got murder, you've got greed, you've got uh, kicking against authority, lying. Against
0: right. God, right. not against authority. Against God. If if this if this is from God. You won't be able to stop it, and you'll be found to be opposing God. So Korah was found to be opposing God yes. in his heart, first of all, and then in his action, right? Mm-hmm. Because right. the the hate, the evil, was born in his heart, and then it played out in the
1: world. And that's exactly what Moses says to him. Remember, mm-hmm. therefore, it's against the Lord that you and your company have gathered together. Yeah? Just rejected rejected God by rejected God's by rejecting God's man right in this case
2: and when somebody despises God they they take offense to the truth and it's often seen even today many times
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so you know it's just like God to take something bad and turn it into something good right Uh, there's these 250 censors, and he tells uh, Aaron's son, go out and gather all of those censers, and I want you to hammer them into plates that'll be a covering for the altar. And in verse, uh, we're still in chapter 16, um, towards the end of verse 38, these plates that he's going to make, hammered plates, they shall be a sign to the people of Israel. And then verse 40 to be a reminder to the people of Israel, so that no outsider who is not of the descendants of Aaron should draw near to burn incense before the Lord, lest he become like Korah and his company, as the Lord said to him through Moses. And so these censors become a sign and a symbol and a reminder that only Aaron and his descendants can bring the incense into the tabernacle before the Lord. And they serve as God's warning and God's grace, right? hmm to to avoid doing the thing that's going to get you in trouble. Yeah.
0: Wow. And you know, and I mean, you know, I, I was thinking about you know, the cross as because here they they pound these bronze sensors as a reminder, right? And how the cross is a reminder to us of the price that Yeshua paid for us, and how we, you know, can sort of cheapen that, you know, sacrifice that He did—the cheap grace, you mm-hmm. know—because what happens on the in the next verse after uh, He says, "But on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel
1: murmured
0: against Moses and against Aaron, <laughs> saying." You've killed the people of the Lord.
1: Yeah.
2: It says the entire assembly.
1: Isn't isn't it shocking?
2: And <laughs> the next day. The next the day. next day.
1: And what is that about us that
0: that you know they can witness the ground opening up and swallowing these people,
1: and, and fire going out through all the camp, chasing people down. Is how, is how I always. And and they're still rebelling. It. And they still say, grumbling, grumble, grumble. I wish I could say it exactly the way he said it, but Philip Yancey, uh, in one of his books, talked about uh, if miracles could save people, then the most saved people would have been this generation. right? If, if just seeing miracles was enough to build settled faith, mm-hmm. then this group would have had it, right? and yet they didn't. So So it really does does say something to us about the stubbornness of sin, the desire to be in charge of my own life, and to be angry when God does what God does that goes against the way I think things ought to be.
0: So, so it also, I think, says something about that, that we, us, needed the grumbling, you know, the people that grumbled the next day, all the congregation, that's us.
2: That's over two million people, by the right. way. That's all of
0: us <laughs> grumbling the next day, okay? Because we needed the miracle of Yeshua mm-hmm. to open the way
1: mm-hmm.
0: for our salvation, right? Because you said if miracles could save people, this would be the save, most saved generation. There is only one. In, one intermediary, one intercessor, one person in the flesh who is both man and God who could stand in as our high priest. And we're going to see that as we go
1: on in this chapter, how it points just to him. Well, I'm going to let you uh, run with that ball because I'll just set you up here. Uh, first of all, they they accuse Moses. You have killed the people of Lord. Well, <laughs> no, <laughs> not exactly, <laughs> right? Uh, and when point. the congregation had begun grumbling, uh, Moses senses that the plague is breaking out, and he sends Aaron out uh, to to take incense and run around in the camp uh, to to make the plague stop. So you've had so, quite quite a bit of. Th- thinking about that one so
0: so it says here it says first of all when when the lord hears their murmuring the next day he says to moses get out from among this congregation that i may consume them in a moment i mean he's like i'm done with these people right and and again moses and aaron fall on their faces and and moses says to aaron get your fire pan "...and put incense on it, and carry it quickly unto the congregation, and make atonement for them." So, the power of atonement, for there is wrath gone out from the Lord, the plague is begun. So, here is the wrath of the Lord being confronted by atonement. And what happens? He runs into the midst of the assembly, and behold, the plague was begun among the people... He put on the incense and made atonement for the people and he stood between the dead and the living mm. and the plague was stayed isn't that what Jesus does for us here we're sinners, we're caught in the, in the wages of sin or death he comes in, he makes atonement for us he stands between the dead and the living And stays the plague, stays our execution, stays our death, Mm -hmm. and opens up for us the path of life.
1: Right, right. Yeah, the murmuring is is there because although the uh, leaders of the rebellion, the obvious leaders of the rebellion have been... Uh, consumed the previous day. There's still people who've got the infection, <laughs> right? And,
2: and, and this is this is the third time, mind you, that, that God's threatened to wipe up wipe them all out. This is number three. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's um,
1: so it says 14,700 more died. Uh, <coughs> those are probably the people who had the most serious infection. We've called it <laughs> just now. Um, Which is probably not to say that there weren't more who had a a more mild case because it's going to keep popping up, popping up. Uh, But I just love that He stood between the living and the dead and you brought out how Yeshua does the very same thing. And think of all the things that Yeshua stands between. He stands between truth and falsity. He stands between light and darkness, right? He stands between life and death and he keeps saying this is the way walkie in it but there are always the people following our own instinct we read in Jude uh, our own selfish desires our covetousness our I- idolizing one thing over God and we keep walking towards error and darkness and death and Yeshua stands in the middle this is this is the way Walk in it, and then I'm reminded, you know, in the creeds it says that Jesus is going to return to judge the living and the dead, or the old English, the quick and the dead, right? And it just brings to mind so so clearly that that uh, that vision of the end times that Jesus gives us, the judgment, that all of the all of the nations are going to appear as sheep and goats, and He'll say to the sheep, Enter in uh, on my right hand to to my Father's kingdom and to the goats he says depart from me you wicked i never knew you right yeah. he will stand right there in the middle at the end as well between the living and the dead and this time it's really going to be the the final word because this is eternity we're facing and it's eternal life or it's eternal separation from the living god wow right just powerful powerful stuff there Oh, what a passage. So then we get to chapter 17. Uh, Moses wants to put an end to all questioning, and they have this uh, test uh, where each tribal leader brings a staff, and they gather all the staffs, and they hold them overnight in the tabernacle. And the next morning, Moses' staff... I mean, basically, what we're talking about is a dead stick. Aaron's staff. But Aaron's staff has, uh, developed leaves, developed buds, developed fruit overnight, overnight, overnight. So this is God's way of showing his approval of Aaron, his calling of Aaron, his anointing of Aaron for this role. And he says about this staff and, uh, this is chapter 17 now, verse 10. The Lord said to Moses, Put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony to be kept as a sign for the rebels that you may make an end of their grumbling against me. Now, if that was the end of the sentence, even that would be enough. But again, we have the grace of God. Let it be a sign to them that they, th- about their grumbling against me, lest they die. In other words, I don't want them to die. I want them to pay attention to the sign. They may or may not, as Leah's brought out, we're people of free will. But God's intention, he is not willing that any should perish. Right? Let this be a sign for them. Good stuff. Isn't that good? Yes. Isn't that good? So we've got uh, two examples of signs that God intends for the people, you know, look at this and live. Right? Kind of like the serpent in the wilderness that's coming up in, in a little bit. Look to this and live. Look to this these hammered plates and remember (laughs) look to this staff that has miraculously uh had life brought out of a dead stick and remember do these things lest you die lest you die i want you to live i want you to live
2: you choose
1: yes and we see that you know in so many places you choose well, the uh, last chapter of our Torah portion is all about uh, the duties of the priests and the Levites and some of the things that uh, go along with them. But there's one verse in here we kind of talked a little bit about. Maybe we just have a couple minutes to touch on. Chapter 18, verse 20. Remember that when they went into the land, the land was divided up. And we've already been told this uh previous to this part uh, but Levi is not going to get a portion of the land that the Lord is their portion and their inheritance and so I want to just bring out verse 20 of chapter 18 the Lord said to Aaron you shall have no inheritance in their land neither shall you have any portion among them I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel so Lee, I don't know if you have anything you want to bring out here.
2: Well, why do you think he said that, Jerry? Why he said you say that, that, that uh, to Aaron that you and your descendants will not have any portion of the inheritance of, in Israel why, on, uh, on the Promised Land?
1: Well, he's already stated that he's going to be their portion. He, right. He's given them the ministry of the tabernacle and the service of the tabernacle. So the connection <coughs> we talked about a little bit <coughs> on uh, our previous discussion Uh, that in the new covenant we are all now a royal priesthood and what is the significance of this verse for our role as those priests
0: well I mean I, I, I think that's you know we're supposed to I mean this comes back to the whole deny yourself take up your cross and follow me we're not to have an inheritance in this world because God says to them I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel and uh it also is not just that we're not to want on the world what's what's the mark uh What? But what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You know, this is God gave us the right to choose, to have free will, to choose the world and make a God of ourselves or to choose him Mm -hmm. and, and his salvation, his Yeshua, which means salvation is grace. And, and it is a choice and yeah. Hebrews 2, 3 says it's a beautiful verse, it says uh, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation mm-hmm. how shall we escape if we neglect so great a Yeshua. Yeshua.
2: What a good verse. Mm -hmm.
0: We need a a Savior, a Messiah, to stand between living and the dead and to offer atonement for us. We
1: need it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we absolutely do. Well, we have uh, hit the end of our hour. And uh, as always, there's so much more that we would have liked to have said. Um, but I hope that uh, through all that we said, you you got an appreciation for Yeshua, for Jesus, our Savior. And we're hopeful that you are pursuing him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, uh, because that is the way of blessing. Um, we are One New Man Ministries. Uh, you can find us online at the number one, newmanministries.org. We're also on various uh, podcast streaming services as One New Man Ministries. And we're so glad that you spent the time with us this morning. Uh, we'd love it if you invited some friends the next time. Uh, invite them to to check us out during the week. Uh, our goal is to bring together people of all tribes, tongues, nations, skin colors, ethnicities uh, as one new man in Yeshua because he alone is the source of life. No matter what your background is, no matter what your ethnicity or skin color or previous religion, Yeshua is the one way to God. We all stand uh, as, as equally sinful before uh, a, a God who is perfectly holy, but we all can have the same level and measure of salvation in the one who died to bring us that salvation, that deliverance from sin, from sin's penalty, from sin's power, that we might live the righteous God that lives that God desires for us. We invite you to get to know Yeshua if you don't already. If you do know him, we're just hopeful that our little time together on the radio helps you know him better.